keep in mind this is a competition to see who's the best. Against them or Pussy against yeah. each other? Each other. You're being great. Is it right now? Yeah. Started? yeah, it's a cold opening. All righty. So. <laughs> Hello, listeners. I know it's been a while, but we have a new episode. Oi, ASIS, rival group. Shush. <laughs> we are here to be talking about the Australian deep state. <laughs> we have started a new topic looking at Australia and it's grappling with communism after the Second World War. For something a little bit interesting, we've decided to split the class into two groups. One group's going to be having a look at ASIO, which is like the Australian version of the FBI, and ASIS, which is the Australian version of <laughs> the CIA. I'm not going to say much more because that's not my job. My job's just here to listen, um, but let's go around the room. So I've got Taj, Darcy, Felix, Deanna and Calvin. I'm going to start with Darcy. Darcy, what is, in the simplest terms, the role of ASIO in Australia? Well, it's to protect Australia from threats to our security. To really sum it up, it's basically the Australian FBI. Hmm, that's what I said. But more like the, the jobs, the jobs that they would be doing. So how do they protect Australia's security? Uh, so they have jobs like cyber security or surveillance officers. So they like look at you know around the world you know and see what we got coming into our country and stuff like that or also just yeah cyber security making sure there's you know we're not getting hacked basically okay have you ever been hacked before uh, yes can you tell us about it uh it's spam emails and they've hacked me through that <laughs> okay so is do you think asio's job might be to protect the average Australian citizen from thing like the thing that you just described, and we're just laying it out super clear, or is it to protect institutions within Australia, like say Department of Education, Department of Health? Yeah, the institutions, not the average day Australian. Yeah, cool. So don't go knocking on ASIO's door if you get hacked by a Nigerian prince. Taj, when was ASIO formed? How long have they been around for? Well, <laughs> well, let me Google that. Yeah. Formed in six, on the 16th of March, 1949. Okay. Is that an important date? Like, what? why would it be made then? And why, did, why do you think it might not have existed before that time? Because there uh, wasn't really the tensions to have something like that. Yeah, that's fair enough. So who are our... What are the tensions? Like, who who are the rivals or, like, who are the bad guys that we think we need to have this? Soviet KGB, whatever it is. I think that's it. Yeah, Soviet KGB agents, just any bad actors trying to get into the country. Deanna, what would you say is one of ASIO's most famous cases that's been involved in? Um, that's a good question. The Petrov Affair. The Petrov Affair. Can you give us a basic overview of what the Petrov Affair was about? Or who was involved? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Petrov? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Petrov. Hmm? 
Felix right. might want to weigh in there. Yeah, yeah. Felix is whispering oh, some information. So no. you take over, Felix. So Miss- lean into the mic. Oh. Uh, Miss Dart and Miss Petrov were so Miss Petrov used to be a KGB agent. She was like a Thai battle or something rather. I don't know, something something like that. Anyway, she and her husband, Mr. Petrov, moved to Australia. And then Miss Petrov got kidnapped by KGB people, right? And they stole her and tried to get her on a plane in Sydney, right? And then the plane eventually got away. And then in Darwin, they had to refuel, and then she got customs, like, grabbed her back. And, yeah, and then they lived in Sydney under, like, a new identity or something. But it was very public because a bunch of people went to the airport when she was taken. I think it was in, was it in Sydney when a lot of people, yeah. And they, like, moved away from the plane, like, pushed the little. Like the gangway? Yeah, the gangway. They moved it away from the plane so she couldn't go up there, but she ended up there anyway. Okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you painted a lovely mental picture for the listener. Why do you, I think we left out one bit where it was, here's Mrs. and Ms. Mr. and Mrs. Petrov. And then the KGB agents come in and they take Mrs. Petrov. What is the point that triggers the KGB to try to abduct and extradite meaning to take back to the Soviet Union. What was the cause of her being extradited back to the Soviet Union? Her husband defected to Australia. Cool. That's the important part. He was going to defect, which means what? Chain sides. Yep, exactly. Become a trader um, and give the Australian government or ASIO some sort of information about like spy rings in Canberra. So that's the trigger. KGB steps in is like, actually, we're not about that. We're going to hold your wife hostage. We're going to take her back to the Soviet Union. And then prime minister at the time, who wants to hazard a guess as to who the prime minister is? We did. Menzies. Menzies. Very good. Robert Menzies. He heard about this, gets on the phone, calls up customs in Darwin, says, this plane's not leaving Australia get that woman off the plane and then they give them new identities, hide them and nothing comes out of it. That As, we didn't know of. <laughs> yeah, that we know of, exactly. We might never know. But there wasn't like some big spiring exposed. Um, it was mainly just the event itself. Calvin, I know you got some notes there. Is there anything you would like to add for ASIO, its roles, anything we haven't talked about so far? Well, ASIO works with partners to strengthen public safety mm-hmm. and intervenes to disrupt disrupt attacks. Disrupting attacks. Yeah. Okay. What might an example of an attack on Australia be internally, other than cyber, that might, you know, cause harm to people in Australia? Terrorist attacks. Excellent. Very good. So that's something that's very obvious. ASIO, just like the FBI, they're responsible for like terrorist cells inside the country. Assassination attempts. That's an FBI job. Oh, sorry. Like an FBI ASIO job. What might another job be? 
surveillance officers, yeah, so sure. keeping keeping tabs on people. Yeah. Cyber security. Yep. How might a external country, once they have a spy embedded into Australia, attempt to disrupt the country without killing somebody? Um, like, so they become friends of like political, um, like high-ranking politicians and stuff. Like, if like this is far-fetched, but if like a spy from Russia came over, I was like real good friends with the prime minister. I was like trying to influence him to and his party like to pass laws and stuff and whatnot yeah and, like stabilize the country i guess yeah it might be something as simple as like you said forming relationships they don't have to be you know sexual relationships that might just be becoming friends and subtly influencing somebody to do something changing their mind what else how else other than manipulation outright killing somebody, how would a spy be looking to disrupt the way that a country operates? Like get information on their resources and whatnot, like strengths, weaknesses, like how much fuel reserves, whatever they've got, and like all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Yes. So if you're a surveillance person, like Calvin said, you're keeping tabs on someone that you know has maybe links to the Kremlin or links to the CCP or links to any other nation, you might be wanting to follow their movements to make sure that they're not hanging around, you know, like Lucas Heights, for example. Like why are you snooping around like an Australian nuclear facility? Mm. Or like why are you snooping around, like why are you hanging around New South Wales, um, Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle Dogs. Like, what are you doing there? Do you have a reason to be there? Um, that sort of stuff. Because the one that I was trying to tease out of you guys was sabotage. Okay. Sabotaging what? Sabotage. Well, you tell me. Sabotaging the government. Commonwealth slash the prime minister's cars. Wait, uh, Carl Hills. <laughs> well. Well, probably that's the idea, like physically breaking something, which then disrupts the way that a country can operate. So, for example, if, oh, like smashing up a bunch of really important docks or like blowing up them, blowing them up. Or wouldn't yeah. that just be terrorism? Well, not or war, an act of war. Not so. Terrorism is the act to terrorize a local population. So you're trying to put terror, as the name mm. suggests. Sabotage might be something as simple as Australia produces a lot of like iron ore or coal and they rely on it for economic purposes so that they can fund programs. Perhaps maybe you Melting are in a better iron. bartering situation if you have somebody who constantly disrupts the trade coming out of the ports. You know, machinery keeps breaking down for some reason. The, the ships can't leave on time, that sort of stuff. Money goes down. Then when the country has to negotiate at like a G7 summit, they're not as in a stronger position as they would be. Does that still happen? Does that actually happen? That stuff happens all the time, and we do it to other countries too. It is, is the big illegal? chess game. Is it illegal? Yes. But we do it. <laughs> yes. Wasn't there something to do with East Timor that they like kind of scared them out of their oil or something? Yeah. 
Yes. So Australians, as a part of the Five Eyes Agreement, um, it's well known that we were tapping, like bugging rooms to get information about oil negotiations off the coast of East Timor. No, because they're quite a poor country and it would have been one of their only major national resources that might have turned them around and um, Australia put a lot of pressure, used, and I'm not quite sure if it would have been ASIO because that's foreign, it might be the other guys, um, use that information to then make sure that those oil licences went to big businesses instead. It's not very good. No, but again, that's understanding that the world's not nice. It's it about people trying to take advantage. Wouldn't it be corruption if they did that? Like, because it's oil. Prosecuted by who? No one. That's the thing. But why isn't there something that does that? Like, that prosecutes them if they do illegal shit? Well, there could be like an international tribunal or you could voice it at the United Nations. Yeah, but like all the stuff, like, you know how the CIO, I don't know much about like Australian thing, but I know a little bit like in, the CIA has done some pretty not good stuff on their own people and on other countries. Mm. Like, did, did any of them even get prosecuted for like the stuff that they were doing? Or do they just retire and not even? Most of them just get away with it. Mm. It just, and this is, and it's a good like little maybe dawning moment is that this is how power positioning works, that this stuff happens off the books. And if the pol- and the politicians don't want to know about it, because they don't know about it, they're not tied to it. It's like they're happy for it to happen because other countries are doing it. And like, that, it's the rule, it's the unwritten rules of the games that are being played. And it's all good to have really nice morals and be like, oh, we're not going to do that. But in the long run, if everybody else is playing by a different set of rules, that endangers the people that you are supposed to be looking after. So it's it, it's an interesting grey zone it's, it's gray. that operates. So it's just bad. <laughs> so, they that, like... so they sell wood, Timor's oil. They made it so they that Timor couldn't sell their own oil. Or they'd have to sell it to. It was disputed. Disputed. Yeah, I would need to look more in it, more into it, to speak to it, um, with any more sophistication of what I'm saying. But what I know at a basic level is that oil was discovered in an area that is disputed um, between Australia and East Timor because the two countries are close together probably a strong claim to go to East Timor, but through intelligence collections, um, which gave it advantage to negotiations, those rights for that oil went to large businesses for Australian interests and not to East Timor. Okay, this might, we're going over the 15 minutes but I do want to keep going because now we're all getting invested because of actions like that. Should ASIO not exist? No, it should exist. It should have like a 
anti-corruption board or something like <clears throat> a bunch of people that are vetted like that are known to be ethical and then people vet those people that have been vetted right so it's like two layers and then the people that have been vetted by the vetted people that vetted them vet the ACIO and like all the plans <laughs> go through the but then what if they're corrupt? Yeah. If there's just two layers of corruption, corrupt. they just destroy the company. <laughs> like the organization. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I would say that the majority of what ASIO does is benign and it's intelligence collection and it's more as a defensive shield. Again, the sort of stuff we're talking about is outside of Australia. Um, uh, through the other group that we are going to be looking at, ASIS, most likely. Um, but you're right, there definitely needs to be, across the board, checks and balance on these things. In the initial stages when they're created, they're quite innocent. It's just about, we don't know what's going on in other countries. The internet doesn't exist. We just have, like, phone communication. So we don't know when yeah, we're the, about to go into a negotiation with this country. We don't know anything about them. We can't Google them. So we need to have an agency that has people over there who speak the language and who can provide a report. They've got 360 offices in 150 countries. Sorry. Today? Yeah. Like everywhere. Which group? Sorry, Australia? A, yeah, ASIO. Well, not ASIO. Yeah. ASIO has liaison in offices other. with other agencies and oh, other agencies. Yep. Yeah. Not, okay. Sorry. Not Are we going to work there? This is was our final job. All right. Final job of the of the podcast. There were three options for working at ASIO, and I asked you all to go away and think about which one of those jobs that you would have to do if you were a graduate from the ACO Academy. Language. So, Taj. Uh, translation, because there's less chance of me getting shot or something. Translation expert for safety. Okay. Cyber security. Don't know, seems a bit fun. Yeah. Better than language. Probably a language specialist as well. Yep, language specialist. It's, it's good to know other languages. <laughs> What language specialist would you like divest into? And I'll come back to you, Darcy. Oh, Taj and Asha as well. Um, uh, either Spanish or Mandarin. Yep. Excellent. Taj? Not Japanese, though. Well, I guess on the side, you could probably, like, if you ever went on vacation to places you spoke to, it would be a lot easier. No, but like, what, what language? What language would you oh. pick? Because you can't mm -hmm. learn every language. But like your language specialist. Oh, what's the second biggest one? Probably like Mandarin or something. Yeah, Mandarin would probably be most demand. Yeah. Um, language specialist, and I'd pick French. Language specialist in French, maybe heal the wounds between us and the French at the moment <laughs> yeah. without reneging on the sub deal. Thank <laughs> you. Surveillance officer. Why? Because that's challenge challenging COVID operations. Yep, keeping tabs on people, yeah. making sure they're not being shady. Yeah. Excellent. Were there any closing remarks that we wanted to say about ASIO? They're corrupt dogs, so we should boot them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the corner, which I've done them, man. 
there needs to be oversight and it needs to be a good system and there'll always be corruption though no matter sure. how much oversight there will be corruption. not if i'm in charge <laughs> felix new top dog of azo he'll keep them in line well what if the corrupt the people so like no one knows the the people that are investigating azo agents are anonymous so like not the azo agents couldn't like know who's investigating their corruption you know what i mean so they couldn't be like how do they know that they're not corrupt yeah. well then they will have another side of overseas as well. <laughs> then whatever they're corrupt they then if any corruption is found you get shot <laughs> okay we all agree that we hear these examples for eight uh, Australia being involved in coups, Australia being involved in taking information from its own citizens or reporting to other countries, and it doesn't sit well in this larger grey game that's going on. There absolutely should be oversight. How many layers that needs to be? Or they should just make everything public after two years. Or well, well, however, maybe not two years, but maybe... Like, that's where it goes against difficult because if it's two years, then like, and it comes out that we did some really bad stuff and then everyone's like, oh my God, kill them. But, <laughs> but if it's like five years and it's too late to do anything and prosecute the people that, that actually did the bad stuff. So. Yeah. So all the intelligence we gather, we just give away. Yeah, <laughs> make it public. Almost. Open source. Yeah. Open or like peer review or something. There needs to be something like that. <laughs> yeah. We still have a bunch I'm, of... Look, there would have to be some sort of checks and balances, oversights, warrants that would need to be taken. There are a few select episodes where that is broken, but because the institution is so powerful, you just don't see people getting dragged in front of courts. Probably what needs to happen, rather than all these other oversight extra oversight layers that you're talking about because it probably discredits the work that's already being done it's more there's a public expectation that when these events come to light which are sinister which fall into a black zone and they're clearly not a gray zone someone should go to jail but then if i'm going to go to jail for something i'm not going to tell you about it yeah, I don't, they told everyone. Yeah, but it might have got, yeah, probably got leaked. Yeah. Rightio, we're going to sign off so we can bring in the other group. Good chat, good discussion. Can I get everybody to say goodbye? Starting with you, Taj. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Are you sure we're ready? We've already started. Too bad. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to part two of our Australia Deep State episode. We've talked about ASIO, talked a lot about oversight, the need to hold certain people accountable when you learn about the grey areas in which Australia operates in. We also talked about the defensive shield that it provides because... Yes, Australia does shady things, but other countries are doing shady things and it's just an acknowledgement that the world is not a nice place and somebody needs to be paid or instructed to be able to combat that. We've talked about internal terrorism, sabotage, information collection, 
but sometimes the best offense, best defense is a good offense. And that's where we bring in ASIS. ASIS is the Australian version of the CIA, collecting intelligence beyond Australian shores. I've got three guests here, Will, Zach, and PJ. How are we going, boys? Good. Not too bad. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Let's start with a bit more of a fleshed out definition other than just the, the CIA of Australia. What are some other bits of information we could tack on to ASIS, maybe even what that stands for? Um, who would like to have a crack at that? Uh, all right. So it stands Thanks, for Australian Secret Intelligence Service. Uh, what they do is... Uh, um, Australia's National Intelligence Agency that collects uh, intelligence primarily about activities for foreign countries, corporations, and individuals uh, that might have effect, effect on Australia's foreign relations, economic well-being, and national security. Okay, so it's we are doing the spying now so that's what the group's about yeah. it's like we're striking out we're the ones who are trying to do the sabotage we're the ones trying to collect the information make the relationships save the world for australia yeah i've got this quote here and it describes ass's role is it says um to obtain and distribute secret intelligence and to plan for and conduct special operations as may be required so they probably work with SAS as yeah. well. Okay. Zach, have you got anything to add? Add to that? Yeah. Not really. No? Is that just what it is? or? Well, we probably covered what it is. Do you want to maybe say when it was introduced? The ASIS was founded on the 13th of May, 1952. But it wasn't publicly announced until the 13th of October 1977. Okay. Why? Why do you think that was? 20 years or so of running outside of the public knowledge. Well, I guess they didn't want to announce to the world that we have an intelligence thing running in Australia, maybe. Okay. Why, that, yeah, yeah. Why do you think that might be? Because that'd be like telling everyone we're going around spying on you now so everyone would know about that but if we leave it for a bit no one really knows we're going in doing that but yeah, yeah. so primarily from a strategic point of view do you think maybe anything to do with public perception as well you know australia is setting up a like a foreign intelligence agency yeah, I guess the public would be kind of so-so because not everyone would agree with it, obviously, but like even I did some research and said not even like the government itself knew that it was a thing for a bit. The whole, like the whole entire government? Or do you mean just... I mean like bits and pieces of the government. I'm sure like the Prime Minister or someone knew that it was happening. Because, like, when it was founded was when Eisenhower was Prime Minister. Hold on. So Eisenhower is a US president. Oh, yeah. So what do you... 
So when Menzies was Prime Minister. Menzies, Menzies. Yep, yep. That's all right. So Menzies, Prime Minister, elected, he's part of the executive part of the government. So perhaps maybe establishing that if you were the Prime Minister and if your cabinet was in power, you knew that there was this lever of the government that could be operated for getting intelligence, connecting to America and the UK. That's a couple of examples. But if you were a representative from, say, New England, you just, you didn't know about it. It was a need-to-know basis. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 77, was that, that was the date? Yeah. So 77, why does it finally come out in 77 that we are operating? I have no idea. Well, yeah, PJ? In the 70s, there's controversies that are like now sort of publicly announced. So uh, specifically in 1973, there's ACES in Chile. So basically in 1971, they set up their own base, like ASIS base outside of the Australian embassy in Chile. And they operate there for about two years. Like they're doing super spy stuff and then february of 1973 they announce or the prime minister gough whitlam announces that they're gonna leave in a couple of months so officially in quotes in july 1973 they're out they've destroyed everything like they've got nothing to do with chile anymore but like now it's been publicly sort of revealed that the last asis agent had not left until 9 october of the year so they've still been doing some dodgy things like unofficially for a while like a couple months after they were supposed to have left Mm -hmm. what did they do in chile or what is alleged so that they did in chile a lot of it brings up like a chilean coup about bringing down the aland government which was i guess operating then like i don't know what specifically they are doing but they are involved with sort of bringing down the aland government okay let's have a bit of an educated guess. What type of government is probably being removed by a Western surveillance coalition? Communist. Yeah. Getting rid of them. Yeah. So you have communism spreading down from Cuba becoming communist into South America, and the West is combating it through the way that they always combat this sort of stuff, either through funding, covert operations, or instigating some sort of a coup. And there's several accounts. And this, and, and just on this occasion, Australia is involved. And this is where they have to come out and admit it. Yeah. yeah. And Gough Whitlam was not, a fa- was not a fan of ASIO or the CIA, primarily because of a specific little base that was in Central Australia. Has anybody got any information on that? That would be Pine Gap. That is Pine Gap. What's going on at Pine Gap? Okay, well, basically, it's this surveillance base in the middle of Australia, and it's sort of cooperated with Australia and the USA. And, like, I don't know much about it, but there's been a lot of protests there. So, like, three that come up a lot were, there was one with Aboriginal women, there's one with Christian groups and various like university students. 
that mm. had gone there. Some were like breaking in, some were just like standing outside. So I don't know, but people don't like Pine Gap, apparently. Do we want to hazard a guess without wild speculation as to what the base in the desert with what we can clearly see is like satellite arrays? What do you think's going on in Pine Gap? Communist aliens, maybe. <laughs> Not Area 51. Come on. What do we think? Without Googling, without Googling it, use your own brains. Think about Australia's part of Five Eyes, intelligence sharing. Well, in the modern day, what information could Pine Gap be collecting that would want to be shared? Like surveillance with satellites and stuff? Yeah, cool. So, like, if they're cooperated with the USA, which is obviously they're spying on everyone, that's kind of like a in-the-middle-of-nowhere area to sort of trade and collect information. Yes. So, outside of US jurisdiction. Yeah. As well as just Central Australia is a really good spot to get a hookup to satellites. Yeah, it's like a population Clear. of 20 people, so. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's another really good point that you're having. Like, yes, you'll have some Indigenous communities like Christian groups driving out there, uni students going out there, but you haven't got the scrutiny of like the public that you can kind of work there and everyone can mind their own business. Mm. I was more going to say that just the environment as it's not very cloudy all the time. So therefore you get a good uplink to the satellites. What else do we want to add about ASIS? They don't use torture. They don't use torture. It's boring. <laughs> boring. Okay. So where did you find that information? On the official website for ASIS because it was a frequently asked question. Okay. Can you elaborate a bit more? Was it, did they, was the question just literally, do you use torture? And did they say no? Or was there like a, no, we don't use torture because of blah, blah, and blah, or we never have, or. So the question was, does ASIS ever use torture? And there's like a paragraph on why. They say, no, we act in accordance with Australian law and Australian government policy and do not employ torture in the pursuit of our function or act in a way that sanctions or encourages further by others. And the rest is like, we don't really carry guns, but in self-defense, we're allowed to use guns when operating overseas it doesn't specifically say overseas it just says we only use guns for self-defense we won't go and shoot up a bunch of people yeah so like wink wink nudge nudge we're not going around assassinating people yeah so if we have a weapon, it's for self-defense. Yeah, it says the ASIS's legislation uh, provides for the protection of our people. Yep. Okay. Because they're going to be dealing with other dangerous people. Yeah. And I mean, even if they're in the room with CIA or M- MI5, like CIA carry guns all the time yep. because they're yanks and they will have guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will, did you have anything to add about our topic? Talking about AI, ASIS. Um, 
that you can um if you go to the website it says that like uh i don't know some way they want you to join so they're looking to recruit yep okay well this can lead into our job discussion now so there were three jobs which one were you leaning towards putting in a job application for um intelligence officers so like spy yeah um like uh uh develop manage uh intelligence operations overseas with the aim of yeah protecting intelligence and security uh the skills that uh you gotta have is um must be curious quick thinking and high self-motivated and high level high level of maturity and excellent judgment yeah so they don't need somebody who constantly needs instructions given to them you're almost going to be given an objective and it's like achieve it in whatever legal means you can achieve it yeah and you need to be fluid and adaptable and assertive and you need to come up with the plan because we don't have the plan that's your job one uh the requirements for it is um so australian citizenship Mm -hmm. a current driver's license (laughs) um overseas experience is uh recommended but not uh mandatory yep and uh you have to have a degree in terry Green, oh, tertiary education. So they want someone who's been to uni. Or, yeah, or like within that, like 12 months, like you can do it, but within that 12 months of doing it, you have to be doing like the degree. Yeah, okay. Probably in some sort of, like if you're putting that together with like the preference to have some sort of ties to overseas, it's all about like a backstory. It wouldn't it be? Like if you've got links to Japan or if you've got links to um, like the Middle East, it's less questions going to be asked about why you're there. It's like, I'm just here on a 12-month holiday. It's like, no, I'm here seeing family or I'm here for for work or I'm here because somebody's sick or something like that. Zach, are you going to be a spy? No. No. I would go for the technologist role okay so tell us about that role it is the offices that enable the asis to collect foreign intelligence through the design development and application of innovative technical solutions and there's like it's very diverse because it's got heaps and heaps of different roles like to name a few they got business analysis qualitative assurance uh servers and storage management electronics and technicians it's just full of a bunch of cool stuff in my opinion yeah so will might be operating in the field come up with a plan and then be touching base with you to be like i need this like have you got a gadget or have you got a solution or some way of me being able to hack in or get into this place yeah that's essentially what the technologist is it's like creating little package solutions for people to be using in the field. Yeah. Yeah. They're like 
obviously there's requirements as like for the roles because they don't want anyone who doesn't have Australian citizenship, which is mm -hmm. which is fair. They would need relevant education, so not self imposed um, they need to demonstrate the core values, in particular the highest level of personal integrity and professionalism. They need to be enthusiastic, excellent interpret, interpersonal skills and sound judgment, and the ability to obtain and hold a high level of national security clearance. Mm. So once you yeah, once you're cleared into any of these jobs, it's like you can't go talk to your girlfriend about it, or you can't like, can't even talk to your dog about it. You gotta hush hush, otherwise you're breaking the law. Who's gonna know? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the risk. The risk that you run. PJ. Yeah, I'm also on a technologist, like the guy in the chair, like delivering Iron Man suits to the supplier. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. Give it a fancy paint job and stuff. Yep. I definitely agree with that. What was the other option that nobody that none of us took? Oh, it was something extremely boring. It was like an ASIO job intelligent support uh yeah so you're the data analyst um confirming something confirming intelligence yeah so an example that i would see so there are open source intelligence groups that are on twitter for example who are following the crisis in ukraine and their backgrounds are obviously in this sort of thing that we're talking about that you'll see somebody upload a video of being like or here's a Russian tank being exploded. And if it's sent to these guys or their group, they've got the background to be able to look at the tank, look at the markings, look at the environment, call relevant people and geolocate, like, is this even possible? Is it the right time of day for when this is being reported? They basically fact check the whole piece of evidence to go, actually, this is impossible or no, this is not a Russian tank. This is actually like a Korean tank from a separate engagement. It's like, it's got nothing to do with it. This is fake news. You should disregard it. Make sure that gossip is like real. Yeah, exactly. They got to sift through all the chatter to find the truth. So you're, you're, you're like a truth seeker. Mm. Yeah. A bit lame. <laughs> <laughs> bit lame. Not as cool. They just not making through. Iron Man suits. I'm not going to scroll through Twitter for a living. <laughs> that's just one that, those are that's just like an open source way of doing it i'm sure it's not all done on twitter <laughs> i, I would well. be concerned if it was radio is there anything else we would like to add but coming up on the 20 minute mark no that's good you're feeling good on my end. you don't feel like there should be multiple levels of oversight <laughs> over <laughs> over our foreign affairs no i think corruption is good in some <laughs> circumstances we need it Corruption is good. Do you guys agree with that? Corruption is good <laughs> in some circumstances. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Overthrowing governments in Chile is a great idea. It is. It is. We don't need communists. <laughs> we need Twitter scrollers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We're going to sign off. So, can everybody say a more enthusiastic goodbye than the other group? Starting with you, Will. Uh, see you, everybody. Goodbye, my friends. I shall miss thee. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> See you. That was long.